0: G'day and welcome to another episode of the Andrew Price Podcast, the podcast for serious artists. I am thrilled to have an industry vet on this uh, podcast episode. His name is Andrew Hodgson, who, Hodgson, gosh, got to get the name right, is an Australian artist with eight years of VFX experience. He's worked at studios like Method, MPC, Double Negative, and ILM, among others. He also has credentials on the Star Wars franchise, Terminator Dark Fate, Avengers Infinity War, and most recently, Dune, where he spent most of his time modeling vehicles and environments. So, without further ado, welcome, Andrew.
1: Yo, how's it going? Thanks,
0: man. (laughs) Um, Let's just start at the beginning. Um, When did you get interested in art, and how did you get here?
1: Okay, so... um... I, I don't have the the standard uh, story of, like, oh, I saw Star Wars and, like, I knew this is what I wanted to do or something like that. Like, I kind of fell into this in a way. So, I always was interested in art. I always, you know, wanted to to draw and stuff like that. But, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do outside of high school, right? So, I studied graphic design originally. And I failed the first year because I, I was a terrible terrible student and guy I, I wasn't like fully like into it at that point i guess okay and then what happened was um redid my year and then in the second year we were introduced to a like a 3d for graphic design right which is where i was introduced to cinema 4d and the first time i touched it right i hated it <laughs> like like i was like why would i want to do 3d this is kind of boring but I was kind of failing the course again and then I was like, okay, I can't I can't fail again. I have to, you know, work extra hard, right? So I would like stay behind and do, you know, the cinema four D class to make sure I didn't fail. And I was actually realized this is kinda of fun actually. Like it was it was cinema four D for um for graphic design, right? So there was no like it wasn't about like film topology or production or games or anything like that. It was just like whatever makes a pretty image, right? Mm-hmm. So I finished my advanced deployment in graphic design, and I decided to take a year off and properly teach myself like how to work in film pretty much. So originally the reason I went to film was because I didn't want to deal with the modeling limitations of games. That Ah, and the only reason I chose modeling was because like, you know how, for example, when you go to like film school, right? You have like people interested in modeling Lighting, animation stuff, and then you do like group projects together, right? So you can pick and choose. But because I was by myself, I had nothing to start work from. So I, by default, picked modeling because it was first. Uh huh. So I know. So it's, so I kind of accidentally fell into modeling, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By just pure random like chance. Wow. So I, okay. But you know, I was like, I was making like tanks and like aircraft and all this sort of stuff. I thought this was really fun, right? Mm. So I spent like a year making a like a personal portfolio just trying to guess at what i need to do like i would get 3d artist magazines coming in and just read through that and then copy that then realize oh actually that's a game workflow that's not a film workflow so i kind of was like failing a lot mm. like i wasn't part of any communities or anything like that i just was kind of guessing but i eventually found that by the end of the year i found a way to do the, like the film pipeline right okay so I ended up creating a folio and I sent it, like what I would do is I would watch like demo reels from like all of the big rendering companies because they would list the companies, right? And I created this massive list of like 90 studios around the world, right? Okay. So I probably should mention this. I'm in Perth, Australia at this point. We have like no film school. (laughs) We have nothing like that, right? So what happened was I found like 90 studios around the world and I sent my portfolio out to every single one of them, like no matter where it was, the most random obscure wow, okay. places.
0: And I had back from none of them. No way. Like, 90. And you got 90. zero.
1: Yeah. Like no one responded to me. Wow. So I was like, all right, fair enough. I mean, like <laughs> thinking back now, it makes no Message sense. Message received. When, like, the point, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, the folio not good enough. So like I redid my whole folio in three months and I, I sent it to 130 this time. Like, yeah, I wow. sent it to I, even more, right? And then one company, which was Sony, got back to me. They were like, you know, thanks for the the update. But to be honest, like, we, like it, you can't, like, fly a junior out with no experience. Like, it would be too hard to get the visa sort of thing, right? Mm. So, like, oh, okay, so the, the key is I have to be in the areas, right? Mm. So, I'm Australian, but I also have, like, a British passport. So I was like, okay, cool. If I have to be in the area, I will either go to Sydney where, you know, Animal Logic and stuff like that is, or I can just go big and go to London. So what I did was like I booked a, a flight to London with like no accommodation, no job. I'd never I'd never lived out of home before. And I booked a one-year return flight. So I had no choice but to try and like make it work right. And my original plan was I would just like work at a bar or something. I just hand my stuff out, like to like physically go into studios to hand my, my demo reel and stuff out. But fortunately, within one week of being there, I met up with a guy, an Australian guy who emailed, who I'd emailed a year before, who said, if I ever come to London, we'll grab a beer. So I message him like, "Hey, I'm in London. Let's catch up." Yeah, <laughs> called you bluff. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he ended up I like a, that. He ended
1: up being a good friend of mine actually, which is pretty funny. That's great. But um, yes, yeah, so I caught up with him, and we just you know hung out for the day. There was no like networking sort of thing. It was it was a guy that worked at Dino at the time, and um, he just invited like one of his friends to lunch with us, and this person ended up being a in HR at MPC. Okay. So I told her my story. Like, I've just arrived in London. I have nothing. I don't even have accommodation yet. I'm just here. And she's like, okay, would, would you be interested in being a runner? So, like, what a runner is in London is they're the people that they, you know, clean the kitchens, serve the clients coffee, all that sort of stuff, right? I was like, yeah, hell yeah. So I gave her my, my uh, contact. And then the next day what I did was I sat in Starbucks across the road from NBC just like refreshing my iPad like for hours. And then I, I got an email from NPC saying, Hey, we got your contact. Are you interested in like the running position? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm across the road. We can chat now. <laughs> so, so I literally just walked straight into NPC and have like an interview for the running position. And then like, okay, cool. Next week, come back. And, and that was to, it. I was, to,
0: to clarify, the running position is in the kitchen. Is that
1: what you said? It's not in the, kitchen it's just one of the tasks so a runner in it's a it's a it's a british thing right like we don't really have, i mean we have someone some studios have runners in vancouver but not many it's they they essentially do the running around for the company they you know uh, like right. when clients visit they'll serve them coffee you know get them like drinks and stuff uh, all the vfx houses in london are close to each other so the runners will run drives to each other right the runners can go get props all the sort of stuff
0: Got it. Yeah. But bottom, so I... bottom of the rung, essentially. Oh, yeah. They're, they're making like... coffee and grabbing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Got it. Got yeah. it.
1: You're, you're not an artist or anything. You're <laughs> yeah. Just, you're just yeah. like... Do not touch to do the computers. The get out. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I started my job as a runner. I was super excited. I was the most excited runner they've ever seen. And I, uh, I immediately went to the asset room and I was like... I told them, like, I want to be a modeler. Like, here's my demo reel, right? And they're like, yeah, your, your reel is pretty cool, but unfortunately, we just don't really hire junior anymore. Because we have, like, um like they had just, like, NPC had opened their Indian office at that point. Like, most of the junior work went there. And I was like, okay, fair enough. I, I understand that. So
0: now, when what you I did, say right, that junior, is that somebody with no experience, or it's like in their skill, what they've uh, uh, assessed your skill level to be at? It it's looks yeah, like the, the entry
1: level, like okay. the entry level position, right?
0: Got it, got it. So um,
1: I was like, okay, cool, fair enough. So what I did was I would, <laughs> I would do my running shift, which is like eight or nine hours, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I would um, sit in the room in my spare time and do personal work, right? And I had a rule that I had to be the last person in the room every single day. Just so like people would see me, and I would do this. I was so I'd be in NPC like fifteen hours a day. Okay. depending on what time the runner should start right yeah and then after three months of doing this they were like okay fine we'll give you a shot like <laughs> I, so I, I pretty much just sat in there because they were like who the hell is this dude just sitting here like all the time so i started you know talking to the artists, making friends and then when they became quite desperate on to find a lot of people for guidance of the galaxy they're like well andrew's right here maybe we can just use him and that's it that's I just walked. That's how I started my uh, my career as a modeler, working no on Guardians way. of the Galaxy.
0: Seriously, so your first yeah. gig really in the industry was from a runner to Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. well wow. yeah, and, and what did you do on on Guardians?
1: So, my first tasks were like, um, so I, I enjoyed doing like spaceships and stuff. Right, like my very very first task. Was to do the Ravager ship, which is essentially the Milano, which is Quill's main ship, just repurposed with guns, essentially. So it's a pretty okay. simple task. You're just swapping out parts. But I, I kind of like, I felt like I had earned this, I had this chance, right? I, I couldn't fuck up, essentially. So I just worked stupidly hard. Like I worked mm-hmm. ridiculously hard and kind of just ended up taking all the work, essentially. Mm. So like I did well with this ship and they were like, oh, maybe you can do another ship. And then eventually I kind of just ended up doing like a third of the ships in the film, which is kind of, kind of intense. No way. Yeah. I I worked stupidly hard at the start.
0: So this is an interesting, um, interesting uh, topic Uh, because that first role could have gone either way. Right. Yeah. It could have gone okay, you're not ready, go back to making coffee. Yeah. Um, and it thankfully went the other direction, which is like, this guy is, yep. is great. What do you think separates? Like if you had to like write out like a case where it was unsuccessful, what would that have looked like? And versus what you think you did to to make it successful?
1: Well, I think like the thing is, since I'd come all the way from Australia with like kind of nothing set up as like a there's yeah. no plan b right i yeah. i felt at that point i just had to do whatever i had to to make it work so like i i worked a lot of hours at the time i, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily advise everyone did this but i worked a lot of hours like yeah. being in london and not really knowing anyone it didn't really bother me to work yeah a lot. right but for me it was like because my first contract was just like a three-month contract right yeah so it's like even for me personally it was like even if things go, like I get let go afterwards, I need to maximize these three months as much as I can. So I just, I was like a sponge, just working as much as I can, talking, learning from, you know, people around me, stuff like that. Got it, got it. But if if that didn't work out, I would probably have just kept going. I would have, you know, made some new contacts, gotten more advice, maybe found another job. But fortunately everything did kind of work out. And uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy just thinking about the fact that if that one person didn't meet me, my entire life would be
0: different mm-hmm. right now
1: which is kind of kind of crazy
0: yeah yeah that that sort of serendipitous meeting is something that um, yeah you just as, as good as remote work is there is still insane value in being in a city yeah. where industry is happening you know I'm having this yeah, conversation sure. with my wife right now because I've, I've, yeah? for years I, I, I've told her I want to move to LA she's like why do you want to okay. move to LA and I'm like well, despite all the problems that, you know, it's not going to be as nice as living in Australia. If you want to raise a family, yep. LA doesn't look like the sort of place to do it. However, uh, it's where all the studios are and it yep. is also where all of the YouTubers are. So, every time I go there, oh, really? I end up just having these little, you know, serendipitous things. Like, I, I went and had uh, lunch with Corridor. Corridor because I I, you know I just messaged him was like hey I'm in the area they're like yeah come on let's have lunch and then while I was there they were like do you want to be on the VFX artist react show and I was like hell yeah let's give it a go did that and then you know just just you know I I organized dinner with some friends they're pulling out notepads and they're talking about this new technology or this new workflow or this new thing you're getting it it's just it's impossible well it's hasn't really been solved with technology, um, yep. that, that face-to-face contact. So um, I think your story is a credit to that, that if you can move somewhere, um, it will give you an in like no other, really. Oh, for sure. Because
1: I actually, so I, I swapped to concept, like I'm a freelance concept artist now, right? So I swapped to concept like about six months ago, right? And I'm kind of dealing with that issue now Okay. Like for me, I, I wish when I had sought a concept, I'd, it was obviously pre-COVID time and I could be in an art department surrounded by people, but obviously we can't do that now. I've been sitting at home as a freelancer for the last six months. I mean, obviously we've been working from home for like two years at this point with uh, like VFX, right? But as a freelancer, I, I'm not around these amazing people anymore. Mm. And I find like obviously learning a bit harder, mm. like not being in that productive environment
0: if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Got it. Yeah, I I I was actually a little bit uh curious to know your the, the the transition from modeling to freelancing. So you said uh before we were talking, uh before we hit record, that you basically have been a modeler for your last eight years. Yeah. Um and now you've transitioned in the last six months just to concept. Um yep. yeah, what what inspired that? Okay, so there is there's, there's a,
1: a few things, right? Like, so for the last eight years, I've mostly done, you know, like vehicles and stuff like that for movies, right? Like, you know, Star Wars, Transformers, like Dune. I kind of did all the big things like I wanted, and I kind of wasn't really learning anymore. Mm. Like, once you build like ten spaceships, every other spaceship is the same thing. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> like all the movies end up kind of blurring together at this point. It kind okay. of um,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, like. For me, I wasn't really learning anything and I didn't really want to do things like characters or creatures and stuff like that because you have the creature guys and character guys doing that. Like they can do their own thing. I'd rather stay with the hard surface, which is where I'm much more interested. Right. Okay. And like, as I'm approaching like a decade in the industry, right, I was feeling like I can't just stay doing the same thing forever. Like I feel there was like two different paths I could go at this point. Like you either have like leadership roles. Mm-hmm. or you have like design so f- for me i kind of like i don't think i'm technical enough for design i mean not design for leadership okay because like as a lead you're meant to know anything about like you know hard surface organic and obviously like leading right. a team right where with design like for me i much rather enjoy the art so the more you grow up leadership the less art you do but for me the art is what i care about like i don't care about like for me personally i don't care about like you know being a supervisor or anything like that i'd rather just make some spaceships and that's, right. that's always been what i've been interested in right so for me i felt like concept was the way to go also like with um you know i, I mentioned like uh like outsourcing is starting to become a bigger and a bigger thing right
0: mm.
1: which also kind of made me realize i need to pick one to i guess survive like long term in my career right because like to be fair modeling isn't the hardest thing to do it's 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 not too complex especially hard surface is seen as kind of easier Mm. where design is very limited the people that can pull off like amazing design work right so i ended up Hmm. yeah going to concept and like me swapping to concept has been like this really exhilarating thing of like oh i get to go on like a new journey sort of thing right Mm. like i wasn't new challenge i was kind of yeah exactly like i was quite stagnant in film as a modeler like it was just the same thing every day yeah but now it's like now is the very first time i've had um imposter syndrome where i'm like oh shit i i'm i'm not that good at all it's been very like eye-opening to me how little i know moving into like design now but that's exciting for me because it means like there's many more things to learn and grow from like like i'm doing Jarmas um mentorship in a few weeks like these sorts of things are exciting me where like as a modeler in film, yeah. After a decade, it's just kind of the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. So that that's kind of what happened. I um, the art director at DNEG actually was kind of the one of the people that gave me a push as well. It, it, it's funny, right? Because uh, so he was like, "I I want to steal you for the art department." I was like, "All right, okay, no no worries." And then um, he was like, you know just leave and I'll hire you as a freelancer. I was like, okay, so I just left DNEG, and then ended up getting rehired with DNEG a month later as a freelance concept artist. And that's how the transition started.
0: Mm, but the funny okay. thing is
1: that the art director gave me a chance because I, he saw how hard I worked at MPC. He was the art director at MPC when I was there. Okay. So it also leads into what, I mean, it kind of leads into connections being like a big deal right. in the industry.
0: Yes, yes. There is like the moment a job is available, right? It's like, who do I already know? Yeah. Because the friction of like interviews and you're each, you know, the person is trying to sell themselves. They're agreeing to things that they, you know, there's this whole figuring out thing that goes on with job interviews that it's so much easier to uh, hire somebody, you know, even if they're not right for the role, you often just want to give it a shot. Just because uh, you, you've built up so much of this this social currency with them that you know that they're yep. going to be solid, um, so all the rest, all the technical stuff, it's kind of almost secondary sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, honestly, yeah. there's
1: when like when we hire like a new model or something, usually there's like a, a group of like criteria we go down, right? So usually it's like the first row of who gets hired is who has worked here before, mm-hmm. because we can trust they know the pipeline. And obviously, they would know people for... And then second row is, you know, who does anyone know, right? Then it's okay. like... Then it's recommendations. And then third is just random on the internet. Okay. So, like, that's how, how crucial it is to have, like, a good name or good connections mm. in the industry, right? You want to be in those top those top rows.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Got it. We want to be well-connected. Yep. And, and how could somebody... Cause obviously a a lot of the connections obviously happen when you're in a studio. Um, that'll be a lot of your biggest recommendations, but how could somebody, um, build up a network without like, if, if they, if they're green, they haven't worked anywhere. I mean, honestly, like now is kind of the
1: best time for like, say for example, like when I was starting off, I never imagined talking to a professional, like, okay. Uh, through email or whatever right like you just it just wasn't i mean for me at least at the point it just never really um i never thought about contacting people but now like so many artists are on twitter on facebook on Mm. instagram our stations up you can easily just reach out and contact these people as long as you're you're polite that's the main thing i'd keep in mind like be be polite to these people like one thing i kind of have noticed is like with the ease of information and the ease of people being able to contact each other people now expect that you they owe you their time that makes sense yes which is something i'm obviously not too fond of with um not not obviously not everyone is like this but you know some people have like gotten upset if i didn't respond as fast as they would like but you have to remember like professionals are busy yes everyone has their own lives like no one's just sitting around waiting to respond to a random person on the internet.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I do encourage people to reach out, just be polite and patient. Yeah. And, and what, what, when they're reaching out, um, what does a bad email look like? And what does a good one look like? <laughs> um, I mean, I've had people just
1: drop their portfolio and I was like, like that's not a, like, that's not okay. Like, so don't do that. Like yeah. Yeah. Don't just paste your portfolio.
0: And, and why not uh, explain why not?
1: It's just kind of, if, it feels like just like, yeah, you deal with this sort of thing. Like there's no like introduction of like who you are,
0: it's lazy. what you're interested yeah. in
1: like that. Cause that's the thing, right? If someone just drops a portfolio and it's full of random stuff, we have no idea what this person wants. We can't really give them that's feedback true. of that's true. where they should aim for, what they should include and stuff like that. Yeah. So like a brief Very introduction true. of like who you are and most importantly, what you want, because mm. depending on who you are, everything changes. Okay. Like it depends like the software you use changes. The um the what your folio should look like changes. Everything changes paste entirely on what you're after.
0: So okay. like a brief description
1: of what, what you're aiming for, I okay. think is, is very important. And then obviously thank them for their time. And Got it. Yeah.
0: So I, I Okay, also, go ahead.
1: No, no go on. And the most important thing is if someone gives you their feedback, thank them for it.
0: Oh yes, that's a that, that's a big one.
1: Yeah, I, the amount of times I've seen people, uh, like people to me, you know, friends have told me about this and sort of stuff, where they will write up like a, a pretty big like explanation of how to improve their work, right, and just get no response is quite yeah. it's quite frustrating.
0: It is, yeah. So yeah,
1: just thank them for their work.
0: They're, they're, um, thank them
1: for their opinion.
0: It sounds simple, but it does make a big difference when the person is uh, respectful and. Totally. And that's how you build up like a connection with these people. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And then
1: like, and then say, for example, um, like this happened with with a friend of mine, right? Someone, so I stream on Twitch. Right. And this person was coming to my stream for like over a year. Right. And then eventually they showed me their work. Turns out they were at Vancouver film school. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were really interested to learn. They applied the feedback I was saying, and then at DNEG, the Greenlight program. So Greenlight was a um, like an like an internship sort of thing, right? The Greenlight okay. program came up, and I knew this person was in Vancouver, so we're just like. like Greenlight is a person. sort of
0: a recruitment for what? What is D yeah, What is Greenlight?
1: It's it's like an internship program for DNEG. Uh-huh. So every every company has like an internship program.
0: Okay, I think
1: right. Great, and then yeah, this internship program turned up, and we were like, "Yeah, this person seems like they listened to feedback. Hmm. Maybe give them a go." And then they ended up getting hired by DNEC.
0: No way! Wow! Yeah, it's so okay. Like, so that's a good example of someone who didn't know anyone in the industry, but yeah. So they so previously they had reached out to you for feedback. Yeah, is that right? You'd given yep. them the feedback. They listened, and then they yep. came back. Is that right? Okay.
1: Yeah, so they, so they ended up, like, sticking around my stream. Um, they made connections mm. with other people at DNAG, and then when the Greenlight program came up, we could vouch for them, and mm. they ended up yeah. passing the Greenlight program, and then now they work in the industry. They're at digital
0: domain now. Right, got it, got it. That's good. What about, um, yeah, through social media, have you ever recommended somebody after seeing some of the things that they post or yeah, anything Yeah, I- I've like done that? that as well. Okay. Adam. So for me, it's hard
1: for me to like, like recommend people. I don't personally know that well, Yes. Yeah. but like when I was at ILM, I saw this guy's work. I thought it was, you know, really cool. He told me he was looking for work in Vancouver. And I reached out to my friend in the environment team. I was like, like, this isn't a recommendation, but look at this guy's work and maybe you can make up your own like opinion. And they ended up liking it, reaching out to him and then they hired him at ILM. Nice. Got it. Yeah. So just being polite to each other yeah. through social media, I think is the best way of making connections at this point. And I, I, I want to stress, like, if, if the person doesn't respond, like, don't take it personally.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. There's
1: been so many times where I would be, like, walking to work and I'd see a notification on my phone and I'd be like, okay, like, I can't answer this now. I'll answer it later. I'll, you know, go through it later. And then I'll just get busy and I'll forget.
0: You forget. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially the moment you hit red on something, it might as well just not exist. It basically should be a delete yeah. button. <laughs> it's like, oh, I accidentally read it, Forgotten yeah, it now. Exactly. Yeah, it's. But crazy. that's nothing personal. It's just no, a simple. It is yeah. exactly exactly. Yeah, it's uh, okay. So I'm a new artist. Hi, my name is Andrew. I'm 15. I want to work. So this I'm trying to figure out how to how to send yeah. a good email. I find yeah, somebody. i this at 15. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah maybe all right let's say i'm 17 graduating high school yeah. here is some of my blender work i want to work at blizzard in character yeah. design um do you have any advice something like that yeah, yeah. okay something like and that that, that might work. work and this could be i just find somebody on art station and that yeah. might work okay got it but okay, don't take but, it personally if they don't reply. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, but definitely. I
1: don't know. Honestly, like the fact you you brought up Blender, I think might be a good transition into that topic. Let's do that because I I know you have like a obviously there's a pretty big Blender community out there, and if I was to give any like general advice to the people wanting to move into VFX, like spe- like specifically you want to work at like ILM. MPC, these big VFX okay. companies. Blender is an amazing starting point. But you have to think about what these companies use on the day to day basis and expand your knowledge base into these other softwares. Like I know that there's a discussion of the industry standard and stuff like that. But for these sorts of companies, there are conventions of which programs are used. Like, say, for example, you want to do like modeling uh, rigging, layout, animation is usually Maya. You want to do texturing, it's Mari. But people are starting to use Substance a bit more. But Mari, I would still say is the main one. And if you want to go into effects, I would learn things like you know, like Houdini. And then obviously, like comp is like um, is Nuke, for example. Mm. So, I yeah. think people wanting to go into these these big VFX companies do need to expand their knowledge, like. I think people shouldn't be too tired to one program. So when I was, I told you at the start of my journey, right? I, I started with Cinema 4D. But as soon as I realized that Maya was like the standard in these companies, I just swapped to Maya. Just because I knew that would give me the best chance of getting a job. So I, I, know, I know a lot of people want to kind of stick to Blender, right? And not, nothing is wrong with Blender. Blender is an amazing program. It just depends entirely on what you want to do as a job. And this is why I said explaining the goal of what you're after when you write these emails is important. Because depending on what you want to do, they might tell you to not use Blender. Hmm. So it's it's so people don't get like defensive immediately. Like Say, for example, I'll give you a very realistic example of why I would say if you want to be a modeler, learn Maya so say for example in VFX the main VFX companies we all use Maya as our modeling tool right say for example we have two juniors well not juniors two people with no experience right exactly same quality portfolio amazing work one person's done their work in Blender the other one's done their work in Maya who do you think would be the safest bet if there's one job they're gonna pick the Maya person because the Maya yeah. person can pick up and run faster. Yeah. But that's if just if you want to be a modeler in film. If you wanna if you don't care about the size list you do and you're more indie, maybe Blender is completely fine. Yeah. I think it's very important for people to be aware of what they want to do. Like since I moved to Concept, I use Blender now. Because I think Blender is the best for concept. Hmm. But when I was doing Maya, I mean when I was Working my day job in film, I still use Maya. So I think it's good for people to expand into multiple different softwares, especially mm. if
0: that's the software used for that job. Mm. Right, right, got it. That is a yeah. It's it talks about I know a it's talked about a lot. touchy topic. Yeah, it shouldn't
1: be though, should it? I know. I, I don't understand why it's so controversial. Like, yeah. if if you like using Unity and then you go to a game studio that uses Unreal. You know, you can't just say too bad. I'm using yeah. unity. Like, yeah. What do you expect? It's right. I exactly.
0: Know. You've got to be flexible. And it's exactly. running, running my own company. I, I, that that is something that I I love is when somebody joins who is just flexible and they want to know, like, how can I make this easy for you? Right? Yeah. Like what do you need me to do? What, what are the biggest problems the company has right now that nobody wants to do? Or you know what? What are you using for this? Oh, you're using Asana for project tracking. I'll figure that out now. Uh, oh, it's Jira exactly. for this. I'll do this now. Uh, I haven't used Notion before. I'll figure it out. Like all these little, little things. Whereas, you can tell very quickly that people aren't gonna make it when yep. they have pauses of like, oh, I've I've never done that before. I've never used it. And yep. It's like, and <laughs> yeah, what? <'Cause, laughs> what do you want me that's to do? The th- yeah, that's the thing, right? So every time you
1: swap to a new VFX company, you have to learn the company's pipeline. Yeah. Right. So you have yeah. to learn, like they they use their I'm not their own render engines, but say for example, like uh, DNEG uses like Clarice, where um, I don't know ILM uses RenderMan. When you swap from DNEG to ILM, you can't just go like, too bad. I, I I like Clarice better. It's like you have to learn RenderMan. Yeah. Same thing for us as a modeler, right? Like we mostly do, I mostly do obviously just modeling, but I still need to do turntables, like great turntables of my assets for approval. So I still need to learn not only the pipeline, I need to learn their rendering programs just to do my presentations. Mm. So professionals are usually quite flexible anyway. Like when we obviously, like I said, like when we swap to a different company, we have to, everyone gets like a week or two of training to learn their pipeline. Like it's all through Maya, but it's still different. It, the way they organize their structure, the way they check things in and out of the pipeline, it's still different between every studio. So m- most professionals are quite flexible in learning different tools, which is why I, I don't understand why people are so like stuck on one program. It's, it's always good to be flexible, because you're going to have to
0: be professionally, like it,
1: That's just how it is.
0: Yeah, you have to learn their, you have
1: to learn their pipeline.:
0: Yeah. Exactly, and yeah, I, I think also, I don't know, coming back to the where we started with uh, saying you're a Blender artist, that can also yep. be not a thing you want to broadcast out to the world. Yeah, I, let I them figure that out when they look at yeah. your art station. That that's kind of your your tool of choice. Yeah. But when you say Blender artist, it kind of you almost subconsciously telling them like, it's what I like. And yeah. I'm going to be maybe resistant to Maya or something. Like, people won't actually... Like, portfolio matters, number one. Um, yeah. And then they're thinking, like, is there going to be that three-week training period where they need to learn yeah. Maya? Because that that's the other step. Like, if they're a great yeah, artist, exactly. but they don't know Maya yet, they they could still hire you. But there's going to be, yeah, two to mm. three weeks of uh, setting aside training where they have to pay you to, to learn the thing.
1: Because, yeah. So that that's the thing, right? Like when you, like, like don't take this the wrong way, but by default, a junior or someone that has no experience is technically a risk or like a liability it to is. a company,
0: right? Yeah.
1: Because you you they don't are. know if they can survive in the production environment. Like yeah. modeling for film and like modeling some personal work are two completely different things. You, the, your your limitations, your restrictions. Obviously, there's no limitations, restrictions to your personal work, but there's many in place in film. So by looking at someone's art station, you can't really tell if they're going to fit into this environment. So you have to trust they can. Yeah. But then if you have to add training them the program on top, it's an even bigger risk. And by default, what happens then is if you're putting the risk of training this person, you also need to train on the program. What is naturally going to happen? It already happens by default without training the program. But your other seniors will have to dedicate some of their own time to Mm. assisting the junior and that's that's obviously completely normal that's expected right but the fact that you would have to also train them the program as well is Mm. just a massive risk it is so i i personally feel even if you like using blender as a person as like for your personal work i think it's still good to know maya Mm -hmm. just so you can say and move into the position like
0: fluidly Yes, definitely. Yeah, like even like if you just downloaded a trial thirty days, yeah. make a couple of assets with it. it yeah. You don't have to show it to anyone. You might even get to privately hate it and say how much you yeah. hate this software and it's junky and it's not as yeah. good as Blender. But you keep all that private, but then when you've got mm-hmm. that interview with them and they're like, So we could see you using Blender, do you have any experience with Maya? You can say, Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. i'm not a pro at it but i've got a little bit i've made yeah. a few things with it they'll be like oh great phew mm. so, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah
1: exactly so my portfolio i mean my original portfolio when i started like three quarters of the work was done in cinema 4d but i, I did my last two pieces in maya just so i i had Maya knowledge mm, and then right. obviously when i got the job i could just walk straight in because mm. that's the thing right like <clears throat> Like a junior is a risk and a liability. So you wanna minimize the risk as much as possible. Because another yeah. thing you you might deal with is if someone comes in and they for example, refuse to learn your conventions. That's another thing. Where say Explain for example that. if we know, like say for example someone comes in and they're like, Oh, a Blender's a thousand times better in this way, why mm-hmm. should I listen to you? When this person's got like a decade of experience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Where if we see you're at least willing to learn the program, we can see you're at least going to be more of a team player. Because like being yeah. a team player is the biggest part of production, which is different from personal work. Because like with production, like at personal work, you just do what you want as you feel like, right? But with production, you could be like like coordinator comes over like, okay, you have uh, 25 days to build this thing. So for me personally, I never really feel like I finish the work. I usually do the most I can within the bid days we are given because mm-hmm. the bid days are quite short, right? So for production, you need to really schedule yourself efficiently. And what happens is during that time, those 25 days might also include feedback. And so you need to finish it before the 25 days. So you have time for adjusting feedback, right? And within that time, uh, the rigor may be free. So the rigor might ask for a temp model. So then you need to be in a position where at any point you can quickly bash out a temp model for rigging or like the texture artist might want to do tests for texturing. So you need to have things in a way where you can delegate different tasks at any moment. Mm -hmm. So that's why I mean like like modeling for production is so different to personal work because personal work, you only think about yourself. But in production, you're constantly needing to talk to other departments and go back and forth. You can't just kind of lock yourself off and do whatever you want.
0: Very different.
1: And we don't know if a junior can do this. So, but if they at least know the program, they're at least kind of like on board to start mm-hmm. with, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, yeah. It's kind of, it's it's giving the hint that you're uh, trainable, teachable, and yes. you're not, you know, going to be resistant to, uh, to to learning things. Um, I yes. kind of think of it like as we're talking about this, it's almost like uh, they, they say with, uh, with like sales, like, whatever there's a funnel right and there's a funnel with uh, your career in in the software as well like if you think of like the biggest part of the funnel the top is the sea of artists that are on social media or on art station yeah. they're all posting all their stuff right so a recruiter who's looking for potential artists they're going through that right the next rung down is the ones that Passed the the smell test, you could call it. They've got yeah. yeah, they've got a all right. They've got a pretty decent portfolio. Then it's uh, the next wrong down from that is how do they actually work with other people? Or like as in yep. not not actually working, but like when we're emailing people, you can actually learn a lot just from the emailing hmm. back and forth of uh, you know whether or not that they're how quick they are. Um, they turn up on time and how they present if they themselves if they listen to feedback how they present yeah. themselves uh, how approachable they are and yeah just willing to listen and learn and then it's the actual like let's try this person out either in an internship yeah. or uh you know give them a, a sort of an art test or something like that you learn a heap there um and then the actual one that gets the higher is like down there. And then probably like the yeah. next rung down from that is like the ones who get that initial high the first year of their career and then the ones who continue in their career growth. It's like even more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, sure. it's, yeah, being aware of that. So I think like a lot of artists think purely in terms of that top rung and getting down to the yeah. second one. Like how do you get a portfolio? Which is important, yeah. obviously. You're not going to get anywhere. All this networking how to work mm. with people won't mean jack if you've got yep. jack in your portfolio yeah, right exactly
1: i mean also like on that point like i would much rather hire uh like a someone who uses blender but their portfolio has production thinking over uh, like a general meyer uh, like a meyer artist that hasn't really made a portfolio tailored to what we do so i'll, I'll kind of explain what that means yeah so for example. One of the guys who went through Grinlight is a guy named Andrew Dyer, who um, ended up, yeah, obviously passing through and coming to DNEG with us. So he only had one thing in his portfolio, but it was done extremely well. And it showed us he knew production thinking. And that, for me, like for me, I liked his breakdown bigger. I liked his breakdown more than the actual renders themselves. Like, for example, he showed how he had like his hierarchy of his structure done quite well the same way we would do it he would have his uv's what's the hi- sorry, hierarchy of structure what do you mean so this is i don't know how to really go into this because this is the thing that's not in blender and it's something i I'm really <laughs> it's it's the object grouping thing i never shut oh up right okay it's that so what's blender missing tell us but the, the grouping okay. thing let's let's start there any anytime I talk about uh, anything on, tw- like, a, so first up on Twitter, like I, I, so for me, I'm quite blunt as a person, but on Twitter, I come off even more blunt than I intend to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so object grouping, all object grouping is, is imagine um, collections with transforms, but for moving meshes around together. Okay. So that's essentially what object grouping is.
0: And so for all example, right, if- Okay. So you're actually, like, film? selecting the, like, just being able to, like, rather than, like, having to right-click the collection saying select hierarchy and then yeah. moving it, you can just select it and then just move it. Yeah. It's, that's part that's, of it, that
1: yeah. That's very, a very simple version, but that's pretty much it. So, for example, like, in, like, Blend, I mean, there are add-ons that kind of do touch on this. It's not as flexible as mine, but at least it's, like, a start, right? But say, for example, like, the easiest way, if you have several objects which are... Separate meshes, like if you want to move them all together, the easiest way is to just join them together and move them, right? Where in a film, we have to leave everything as separate geometry separate, as much yeah. as we can, especially transformers because transformers are like 10,000 objects.
0: You mean as like an actual transformer from the movie Transformers? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the ones it, we built, they had
1: like 10,000 objects. Wow. And we have to leave them separately because the anime move moved them independently. So for the transformations, uh, sort of. right? Got it. But so, yeah, like but there's very specific ways how we organize our hierarchies in movies. Like say, for example, everything like you have mentioned a a plane, right? You have the top group would usually be the group name of the asset, Um, you know, aircraft, stealth bomber, some random thing like that. And then within that, you would have the left and the right hierarchy. So within that, you would have the left group, the right group, and then break that down. You would have like the right wing, the right tail fin, right thruster. And it kind of, it's just groups mm. within groups within groups. And it makes it, especially for rigging, it makes it a lot easier because they can rig based on the groups and not the geometry. So if you set up your hierarchy early and the rigger is okay with it, you and the rigger can essentially keep working at the same time to a degree. Hmm. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so what Andrew did was he obviously showed, because he would come to my stream as well, right? Like He would see how I would lay out my hierarchy and he just mimicked it. He would see how I would lay out my UVs, mimic it. He would show the UVs are efficient, clean, broken up into different udoms. Hmm. So that is really impressive to me, wow. more than the renders. I feel. Yeah, 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 right. And obviously, clean clean topology, <laughs> like subdivision topology as well.
0: Right. Yeah, that's so true. I hadn't even thought of that, but you're absolutely right. You can. It's almost like that in in school. The show your workings, right? Yeah. The teacher wants to know that you didn't just get the right answer. You also understand how you're doing it, um, which I guess is important. So having a breakdown that shows all that, hierarchies, the clean UVs, all that kind of thing, will show you that you've at least thought about UVs. You haven't photobashed the final result or just wrestled it into submission through some archaic workflow. Because right. that's the
1: thing, right? Like, especially as an asset artist, like in modeling, you're not going to be doing your texturing in the in the top studios, right? Like, okay, you're, yeah. You're either just a modeler or a texture artist. You're not mm. going to do both.
0: Mm.
1: Because we just simply don't have the time to do both. Mm-hmm. Like, there are times that the texture artist will start before the model is even finished. And when the model is finished, you need to go on to the next model while they're texturing your work. Mm. So, and then there's feedback and all this sort of stuff. So... If you show me as a modeler, you can care about your fellow texture artist. That's obviously a big plus. Because I mean the texture artist have to use your UVs. You don't really wanna you don't want to screw the texture artist.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: So yeah, I feel like, yeah, if you can show like a good breakdown of this is a production asset, it's much better to me than just, oh, here's a pretty
0: render. Mm, okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that is uh For sure. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, You sometimes you see someone sent you a, you know, uh, link to their art station project or something, and it's this, you know, it's a beautiful, well-lit scene with everything. I'm like, my first question is like, how much did you make versus what assets did you buy? Because if, yeah, (laughs) if it's a modeling position, like, that's kind of important. And yeah do you I texture you it all wandering. is that on someone else it's like is this part of a group project was this yep. from a film like sometimes like and sometimes i learn that all they did was like compositing like so you just framed oh. the shot and you put that in your portfolio <laughs> like what like you, you can't do that yeah. <laughs> i mean it depends on what they if they want to just be a compositor maybe but yeah like, yeah it's a bit niche
1: yeah i for me it surprises me when modelers send me their reels without showing me the wireframe because I care about that more than the render.
0: Mm. And what are you looking because
1: for? Just clean, efficient quad topology.
0: Okay, right. It's not all over the top.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, are there poly but, budgets know... in in VFX?
1: Not really like I, I told you like one of the main reasons i want to go to film was because like we don't have the limitations of games right we we don't have poly budgets but you should still work within a reason okay like you don't want your ass your spaceship to be like 50 million polys because some poor rigging artist will have to pick that up
0: like <laughs> the texture arts <laughs> right.
1: will have to take this into mari like it's yeah i see you there's no budget but whatever you whatever it takes to get the film asset looking good but you should be efficient at okay. the same time.
0: Okay, right.
1: So, yeah, then just subdivide your thing a thousand times. like, yeah, job done. Throw it in.
0: Right, I see. But, got it, got it. Yeah.
1: Like I, I've heard people talking about like to get rid of an NGON, just subdivide the mesh. I'm like, oh, please don't do that. Like you're, you're increasing the poly count of the assets so much more than you need to when you could just terminate the NGON another way.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Right, so they're saying like add more polys and then you could like create a fill. Loop? yeah is that so what
1: they're saying so when you subdivide an n-gon, it automatically turns it to quads
0: oh so i'm now thinking about but, an n gone wrong okay
1: yep yeah so an n gon's is like a five mm. uh five or more faced uh face okay so if you subdivide your mesh it'll turn it into quads oh, but then you've now see. yeah yeah you've you know added the poly count you've you know multiplied the poly count four times for no reason essentially
0: mm, right so right. don't do that got it Got it. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, one uh, Andrew Dyer was an, uh, yes. someone who watched your stream, and they learned some of these things. Uh, yeah. My question is, is yeah, what what are some ways I was going to ask? What are some ways that people could do it? I guess besides watching Twitch streams. Um, but are there <laughs> any other resources that you know? Because like, I, I mean, I've heard this so many times. Like, you go to SIGGRAPH, there's always a yeah. an event or a a talk where they've got all the universities, um, <laughs> you know, all the... They've all sort of come there to talk about the state of education. And you can yeah. tell they're all like desperately like flailing. <laughs> they're like, what do we need to teach the kids? And the people in the yeah. industry are like, oh, we don't have time to explain. You know, yeah. we, got, we got stuff to do. Like, you know, but like yeah. there's... They don't know what to teach them. And yep. there's such a huge gap. In fact, I've heard... Mm some studios say that basically the the gap is so big they have to reteach them everything that they learned yep. through university because it is so bad yeah
1: it, it's it's kind of crazy because like even some of like the like i'm gonna say my my friends that did end up coming to dna like the information they got told in school really shocked me like it was not like they kind of went against their like teacher and just followed what i did and then they got a job like fair enough but like <laughs> like they they were told like vfx companies don't care about topology and that they just can fake their bevel with like a, a redshift node and i was like we, we don't do that at all like it's, mm. we, we only care about the topology like i was kind of shocked like schooling hmm. i mean there is obviously some very good schools out there but some schools are also very questionable yeah unfortunately yeah i i still think like like to like obviously learn like the proper workflows reaching out to the professionals. I think that will be willing to like the professionals that are willing to help. I think is much better than I guess, blindly believing your instructors at schools. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Some schools are very good though. Like think tank I know is a really good school because they're actually taught by professionals.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah. If you go to the, the rookies, The rookies.co, I think it is. Oh, yeah. That has like the top schools and stuff. They've got the ranking of... um, Basically, they they vet the schools to find out what what schools are actually worth your time. Um, And I think if your school that you're thinking of applying for isn't Hmm. even on the site, then that should tell you everything you need to know about that school. Um, Because it (laughs) is the industry... That's where you go to learn what schools are good. So, um, Hmm. yeah. And I, I think like to the teacher's credit... Um, they might have perhaps heard from a a studio that they don't care Mm. about topology but who knows maybe it was just like a studio that does like advertising Um, yeah exactly you know or like a yeah like a little freelancing studio or something where some guy was gung-ho and like ah we know what we're doing you know yeah but I mean on the
1: subject of school I I don't think you need schooling for this job Mm -hmm. because I'm self-taught and like this so much information out there i feel like it you can learn by yourself like for example i've never once been asked about my schooling ever it's never even come out at any studio like hmm. they don't care what company i mean they care what company you've been to they don't care what schools you've been to they they really don't they your schooling doesn't matter at all the only thing that matters is your portfolio
0: Hmm.
1: okay so i feel so I, I don't I don't think like if you can't afford to go to these schools I don't think that obviously means you can't get into VFX either like there's yeah. so much information out there unfortunately there's also a lot of misinformation out there as well which is is a bit unfortunate like I mean the amount of people that have told me I'm I'm wrong that you can work in VFX and Blender is is mind blowing but like there is misinformation out there but I think if you're listening from a reliable source someone that has the job that you want to do is much easier much better to like talk to them yeah I feel
0: yeah and I think there's also uh because I'm learning this with with Polygon we're focused on ArchViz right okay that's cool. and and ArchViz is primarily 3ds max yep and theory, I don't want I, I wish it wasn't because okay. I don't know 3ds max Um, and the whole, you know, the plugin thing, it's all kind of like locked in. It's hard to kind of, to unwrap. And they're also working with, uh, Revit files in DWG and importing it is, is a problem. And all the problems that they're dealing with are so different than if you look at or talk to an individual freelancer or somebody that's just doing ArchViz for fun they are basically two entirely separate categories. And I imagine it's the yep. same with VFX or anything like that. The challenges yep. at a professional level are completely different challenges yep. to an individual level, to the point that yep. they're often not even related. They should be considered separate yeah, totally. types. Um, and you'll, when you talk to a professional and they tell you, Maya is the industry standard for VFX... Yeah. If you don't know Maya, you don't want it to be true. So you're biased. You're thinking yeah. in terms of like, yeah, but I know that uh, Barnstorm uses Blender. Yeah. I know that it's it's being picked up more and more. And I've heard reports from people that that's old thinking, yeah. and that this is. So you'll you'll sort of start like leaning like into your comfort zone of like, okay, yeah. it's all right. I can keep using this thing. It's 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 yeah. really. It's just a resistance that I think is natural. It's like learning, yeah. like learning a new language. It's like, why don't you want to yeah. move to Japan or get a job in Korea? Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, I got to learn a new language. It's like, well, you could, couldn't you? Yes. Yeah. There's only so many hours in the day, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You could learn Maya. Yes, mm. there's only so many hours in the day. Um, but you, you, you have to, I, I guess, put your um, would you call it your influence into perspective at a studio? Yep. They're not going to change the industry for you, which <laughs> yep. should just Shit, be I like, know, right? like so obvious. Yeah. But it's it's you have to remember that that these yep. it's it's like it's a giant steamship, right? Hmm. And it's just plowing through the ocean. Yep. And when it changes, it's going to be slow. You know, so you as a little artist in a little nimble speedboat, you can zigzag Mm. and you can try this and try that. And oh, this is the one and substance is taken off here. The steamboat will take a while to turn many years. And until it's turned, you got to learn what they're using. or You got no chance. This is
1: this is the the thing, right? Like a lot of people think like, oh, why don't, uh, you know, VFX companies just swap to Blender. It's free. And it's like, do you know how much money it would cost to retrain literally hundreds of people on six-figure salaries? A lot. Can you imagine? Yeah. Not and that's just, just the training.
0: Yeah. That's the pipeline. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> yeah.
1: not. That's not rebuilding the pipeline. That's not testing the pipeline. That's not to deal with the in, like the never money lost by not hitting your deadlines. Mm. Uh, like risking client um, connections because you can't deliver. Your project, like you said you would because you're testing new things, like there's so many things that go into it. Even simple fact that, say, for example, in a VFX company, every single thing has documentation. Everything. Like how to do any, like if you want to do digi-doubles, there's the entire digi-double process Mm -hmm. through the studio in documentation, recorded videos, talk over everything. It's like the confluence pages of VFX companies are huge. Can you imagine paying someone to redo all the training, just so we end up with the same product we had before, like mm. it's—it just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. That's also, right. most professionals don't know Blender, mm-hmm. so it's you're 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 now narrowing your talent pool that you can hire from. Yes, there's there's many yeah. different things that go into a company swapping. The uh, like, if for a company to move like that much, it has to be something really. Big, and Houdini, I think, is the yeah. main thing companies are interested in.
0: Right. So, like, like, companies yes. are starting
1: to imp- like they are starting to change a bit, but it's more Houdini. They see much more potential in Houdini, and I don't think I ever hear anyone talk about Blender.
0: Mm, right.
1: This is just the top companies, by the way. Like, a lot of people think if I say learn Maya if you want to go to ILM, they misinterpret that as me saying Blender is bad. It's not. Like that's why I keep saying it's entirely about what your purpose and your goal is. Mm. Like if you want to, like, for example, I freelance, right. I use blender now because it's better for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. If I want to go back into VFX, I learn, I, or I obviously know Maya already, but I just, I go to using Maya. Yes. That's, that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think, um, I was I going to say talking about the, uh, ah, oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, what was I gonna say? Ah, well, it's gone now. But that's all right. Um Yeah, I, I, I feel like we've we've uh, touched on a lot. Um I, I did wanna get to eventually talking about the Hollywood uh, VFX shot workflow. Um so could you walk me through when you're working on something like Dune, um Okay. What does it look like when there's a, a a shot in the movie that you've, that everyone just watched, it's five seconds long or whatever it is yeah. from script to final delivery. I'm sure it varies across studios, but how does it, how could something like that typically look like? Um. I will,
1: obviously like every single film is exactly the same. So I'm not going to talk specifically about tune, but like, like in general, obviously what comes is we, we get the previs. I mean, obviously in VFX, we are way past the script, right? We just get like the previs will come in of what, Is needed for the shot and what's previous Previs is like it's a basic animation of what the sequence will look like so firstly a vfx company only gets the previs for the sequences we're working on so say for example you're working on a movie you only have access to see what your vfx company is working on you don't have the whole movie you just Mm -hmm. have the thing you don't even have sound a lot of the time you just get the shots so what happens is the shot will come in and then the lead will break down, OK, we see this many assets in the shot. We see the assets this close, so we can guess it will take this many days to do it, right? So then what happens is, obviously, yeah, preview done. We will start the modeling based entirely on what we see in the previews. OK. We'll model it, we'll texture it, it'll get rigged, and then obviously go to like animation stuff. At the same time this is happening, we will do like a temp version of the model and we'll give that to Layout. And Layout essentially recreate what the previs is in-house. So they set up the, the 3D scene for what the shot will be. So we will do the modeling, the texturing, rigging. I mean, look, look dev is in there as well. And then that will obviously go to Animation for the shot. So we work in Assets. We work in an Asset bubble, where in Animation, Layout stuff, they work in a shot context. So they will work in the shot zero one five eight or whatever. Okay. While we will work within the bubble of whatever asset stealth bomber. So so model, rigging, texturing, look depth, all within that bubble. And then that gets fed into the pipeline and they use it in the other departments. Then it obviously goes through, you know, effects, lighting, comp, and then environments. Okay. And that's essentially like the whole right. pipeline of a shot. Okay. This whole thing, though, it'll go to comp. They won't like the model. It'll come back to modeling. We'll do changes. That will affect the textures. It'll affect the rig. It will then have to, the animation oh. needs to be tweaked. And it's, it's a constant back and forth. How fun. And this is, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I mean when we don't know if like a junior is able to hand this production form of thinking of being aware, the context of how their assets used. So when you're working in a studio, we're not creating art. We're creating a product for someone else. So, of course, that's a whole other thing about not getting personally attached to your work. But you have to be aware that you're creating a product that is being utilized by many different people at the same time for a final image that will be dictated by someone else. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you have to be very aware of, oh, I better not do this because this will screw texture up. Or if Mm -hmm. I do this, I need to tell rigging this is going to change. And then that's going to delay people's shots from occurring. So that's why coordinators are so important and management, because you're constantly juggling all these fucking cats like, <laughs> running around like crazy. It, I'm, wow. I'm surprised movies get done. To be honest, it's it's so many <laughs> shit just going on, and then the director's like, "No, nah, I don't like any of it out of the film." Yeah. And then we just we just move to the next thing. Like that's just how wow, it is.
0: that's crazy. Got it. So to backtrack, so it's uh previs. It's all like blocky, barely shaded, just kind of hmm. jagged things, just so that they know the beats of the shot, the framing, how close yeah. things with are to With Unreal, camera. that's actually starting to change a bit, though. Okay, explain that. So with this un- is a potential industry change, is that right? Yeah, I know a lot of Previs are
1: now much more interested in things like Unreal because they can get, like, a nice visual representation of mm. what it will look like instead of these gray boxes. I mean, I always have mm. Previs, but some of the stuff I've seen is pretty crazy with Unreal.
0: Right. Okay, got it. Yeah, essentially, so, yeah. Pre- so it's a, so it's think. just a more detailed. Uh, yeah, essentially, with lighting. Because one of the
1: things is when we see previs we can't see what, um,
0: we can't see like dust flying around. We don't know. We
1: don't know what the lighting of course, looks like. Stuff right. Like
0: that. So the modeler so we, is then putting detail into this shot that might have not to be visible the once lock. the compositor.
1: Yes. Got oh, yeah, it. <laughs> that's, June, June is a prime example of that. Oh, we, we do right.
0: Have, we do have to overbuild
1: to an extent that it will hold up for whatever the shot will be essentially. Mm-hmm. Got it. So we build the asset purely based on the shot. If we see a closeup, we have to now tailor the model to the close up. That makes sense.
0: Cause I was going to ask this, like there might be a shot. Yeah. Okay. So let's say for example, the harvester that you did, maybe it's a bad example. Cause you yeah. can actually think of, but like, okay, let's say there's a, there's a spaceship, right? We need this spaceship yeah. in the, in the movie. Um, and it's viewed from a far medium angle, you know, in this sort of shot, but then there's one shot where the camera's on the wing and you can see all this detail and stuff. Do they create, do they do the whole model to that standard or is it, they just do it at the far angle and then they do a separate version just for the up close? Honestly,
1: I mean, it depends, but. I would say it's a safer bet to model. I think it's a, a much safer bet to model for the close-up of the wing shot because if they like the model, they're probably going to add more more shots later. Oh, right. It, it's much easier to overbuild the model than to build a mid-res one, a shot-specific one for the wing, and then the director likes it and wants to move the camera to another close-up because then we'd really? have to rebuild the whole asset. No so it's way. always much easier to overbuild because the directors will change their mind like that's just that's the natural nature of working in a creative industry like these directors on these movies for like two three years like their shots will change quite a lot hmm.
0: i thought it was so, the yeah. opposite i nah, i we, thought for sure overbuild. you you try to be efficient as you can mm. with the uh you know the detail and only put the detail where it's required so you're saying that they will it's, e- it's more efficient to overbuild because it's more flexible with shot changes. Essentially, yeah. I mean,
1: when I say mm. that, like I wouldn't detail the cockpit, stuff like that. Like if we don't see the cockpit close, you wouldn't detail the cockpit. Okay.
0: But you would still
1: build the plane to a good level. Because there's so many times where like, yeah, they will just simply move the camera. Or they'll just mm. cut the whole plane from the film. Like, is this, <laughs> this is very it's very normal.
0: So this junior artist that's spent three weeks modeling this thing um, down to the nuts three, and bolts.
1: More, three weeks, more like three months. Oh, really? Like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. There's so many times. I remember that my very first, wow. like, heartbreak in VFX was I worked on Rocket's Warship for Guardians of the Galaxy. It was the first asset I took from start to finish. So it's like a four-winged ship, right? I, I actually absolutely love the design. And we built it. It was uh, like everyone liked it. And then the director's like, oh, I don't like the bottom wings. We just had to slice the ship in half and redesign the whole bottom of the ship. We need, the thrusters got t- taken out of the bottom wings, put on the top. And we just had to do it. Like it's the clients paid for it. We, we simply do it. We have to accept that this is not our work. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's yeah. our work, but it's not our property. It's his yes, property. Yes.
1: So if he wants it, we give it to him.
0: And that's where it comes so, back to that, the individual problems versus the professional problems yep. being entirely different. Yeah. They the as an individual, it's all, it's your baby. Everything is up to you. You you're, you're the director yeah, exactly. of your piece that you're putting in a portfolio. Yep. And you have to forget all of that when you go yep. to work in a professional environment. Yeah, exactly. You can't put your foot down and go like, "No, it looks better." <laughs> yeah. I'm-
1: Another thing is like to to keep in mind is like, say, for example, I would be working on an asset and I feel it can be pushed further, but the client approves it, it's done. You stop. There's Mm. no more working on it. As soon as the client approves something, you stop. So that's what I I mean. Like, Mm. there's plenty of times where I feel like I could have detailed more. Yeah. But they approved it. So we just stop. Like, Mm. we just stop, move on to the next thing. Like, this, it's production. We're not creating like personal art. So that, is a, a big thing i i think people should think about before coming to this industry like we are not just creating spaceships for fun we don't just get to put our, whatever we want into it we mm-hmm. do have to create someone else's product yeah yeah so having a bit of this, it's really
0: fucking hard though i still get super super attached to my work so, <laughs> uh, well that's it like because everyone yeah. starts as a as an artist right yep. and you love you and that 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 rush that you get from leading your own creative work it's still there when you're yep. modeling the nuts and bolts on this thing that's going through 30 changes as you go up so yep. that's that's got to be hard to let go but it's so essential right
1: yeah it yeah it's it's impossible it's something you just have to deal with like there's so many times you'll see all the previews and you're like oh this shot's gonna be amazing I can't wait to put <laughs> this in my demo reel this is gonna be super cool it's all gone it's like uh, okay yeah Yeah. Next asset. Like, it's just just how it is. Or, like, something that will happen is, like, you need to be aware that it's not just your work. Like, say, for example, I could be working on, uh, let's just say, for example, Independence Day, I built this huge orbital cannon thing. But I was only one of the artists on it. You have to be aware that it's not just your work as well. Like, there's lots of modelers around it. You need to obviously be aware that it's not just your art. So if someone has, like, other pieces which are useful to you to save time, don't rebuild it. Just take that piece and put it on yours. Like, things
0: like that. Mm, if that right. makes sense. Yes, yeah. You, you've got to be efficient. That's the yeah. it's the one thing that at, at Polygon, <laughs> at least. I know it's got to be for every studio, mm. is, like, when an artist, like, spent a couple of weeks making something rather than, like, just buying it or, yeah. like, just doing a, like, R&D'ing it and learning a process rather than yeah. reaching out to someone else at the company who already knows yeah. the thing or like something like that. Like, that's, you've got to remember uh, your boss is paying your wage and yeah. like every dollar matters. And you yeah. are, if if you're wasting the boss's money, that's one way to not get on the boss's side. Exactly. You know? Not get hired um, next time.
1: I kind of want to touch that subject you mentioned about like reaching out. I think that is one of the key most important things to being an artist in production as well, regardless of your skill level. Like if you don't know something, ask someone like mm. it, like it, it frustrates me so much when people, someone would be like, oh yes, I can do this. And then like a week will go by and then turns out they didn't actually know what they were doing. Mm. Like regardless if you're senior mid, especially junior, if you don't know something, just ask. There's so many people that will help you. And it just, it makes everyone's life easier. Like say, for example, on Uncharted, I did DigiDoubles. The only time I ever did DigiDoubles in my entire career, I had to learn DigiDoubles on the thing. And I just asked my friend who's the lead, like, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. I might need some questions I answered. And he just held my hand, showed me the way, and we did the work. There was no problems.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: So I think it's very important, regardless of your skill, to be very vocal about what you don't know.
0: Mm hmm. Yes. Like,
1: cause, like people yes. aren't going to judge you. Yes. Like, I would much rather, especially a junior. Like I cannot cannot stress enough for a junior. Like juniors, a lot of time juniors think I don't want to bother anyone. I don't want to. I don't want to think. I don't know what I'm doing. I think a junior above all should ask what they need to do, mm. or just be very open about. I'm not experiencing this. I'm not comfortable with this. Can I have a hand?
0: Mm yeah
1: it's much easier than you know dailies come around and the person has no idea what they've done like yeah like yeah that.
0: yeah but it's also i think a fine balance between you know saying i don't know how to do something but also mm. portraying that conveying that you are ready to, you want to learn it as opposed to yes. like going like oh i i haven't done animation before and going yeah and then the other person's like yeah but we need you too can you learn yeah that? exactly it's uh yeah, there's 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 a difference there. It's it's saying oh, yeah, I don't know sure. how to do something. I want, yeah. I will learn it. I will do whatever you want me to. But I'm just saying it's I should probably learn from somebody else at the company.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm saying like be, like I would, like don't like make excuses or anything. Just be like, I am not super comfortable with it. It might take me some more time, and if they're aware that it might take you more time, they could just simply. Um, like what's it called like maybe give you extra bid days for it mm. things like that like yeah. there's a way of working around it instead of the coordinator coming around being like why haven't you hit the bid days if you're very, day? very bid day a bid day is just a bid day is like like bidding how long it will take to do something
0: ah wait so this is when you- you've got multiple studios bidding on a project
1: uh i that's essentially what the bid day is but i yeah, maybe I shouldn't use the term bid day. The bid day is like, yeah, the bidding side. And then like the obviously the awarded days is, I don't know, say for example, you have 10 days to make a spaceship. That it was like 10 bid days. Essentially, you just have 10 days.
0: Ah. Oh, so it's when you've yeah, said ahead of time what you can achieve something in. Yes. And then you've got to actually hit that. Yes. Right. you got to try. you got to try.
1: I, but sometimes we're like i'll get I'll be told like, oh yeah, we need this entire massive cruise ship built in twenty days. I'm like, yeah, it's not happening
0: like
1: <laughs> just, I, mean, I I'll just be completely nope. honest, like also that's another important thing. I think it's it, good to be honest about like like i'll will try my best like
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, got it, got it,
1: I guess that's something that comes with experience as well you're able to gauge time it takes to do things as well,
0: right, yeah that for yeah, sure it, matters <laughs> yeah for sure. yeah for sure but that comes through
1: experience i wouldn't expect a junior to be able to gauge bid days
0: got it yeah that that whole concept is uh i mean bid day is the f- first time i've heard of it it's not a bidet uh which is a totally <laughs> different thing um yeah. yeah that's that's crazy okay
1: i mean yeah bid days is essentially just the days you have assigned to a task but okay. I, I, I guess we're just i'm just used to using the term bid day because it was the day's bid on the asset essentially originally i mean got it got but it But it. yeah. it's just your days assigned essentially got it got it yeah
0: yeah i think um yeah probably other people call it different things in engineering they might call yep. it effort uh time effort, effort? or something yeah like oh, uh, okay basically like yeah the effort how many hours it's going to take you 180 versus this or something like that Oh, uh, okay That's yeah it's the same thing using engineering i think but um yeah, I That's feel like we could talk for for hours uh, about this stuff because it's so fascinating. Um, yep. But I know you've got a hard stop uh, coming up. So is yep. there anything, um, any final words, anything you wanted to tell people and where, where can people find you as well?
1: Um, I mean, they can find me on Twitter. I mean, I, I say controversial things about Blender,
0: so I don't know if they want to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I don't think it's that controversial. To be fair, like I'm I, like, I just what if you stuff. actually said that, like people are like mad about, but then I'm not on the receiving end. So yeah,
1: why, <laughs> why don't we have grouping in Blender? I don't know. Like, right, I, right. I just question things, but I, it usually comes off worse than I intend to. Um, but yeah, like Twitter, I have obviously like ArtStation, um, LinkedIn, stuff like that. I, st- I stream on, on, Twitch on Twitch as well. Yeah, yeah. okay. Got it. How yeah, Twitch? I stream Blender on Twitch.
0: Yeah, hey, there we go. We'll yeah. be
1: happy about that. <laughs> we, can, we can talk about Blender on Twitch. What when when you're, not, like when you're
0: not using Blender on Twitch, are all the comments, why aren't you using Blender?
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I actually learned <laughs> Blender through Twitch. Don't no take way. this personally, but I specifically didn't want to do the the donut tutorial. <gasps> I was like... How dare
0: you, sacrilege. Get out know, of here, I even. was like...
1: I was like Twitch chat. You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna teach me Blender. Oh, so that's we, cool. We, we spent a few days. I would have Maya open and Blender open, and be like, I did this in Maya. How do I do this in
0: Blender? And oh, through a lot of
1: that's pain, a good idea. we got
0: there. Wow. How many? Um. I don't know how Twitch works. There's subscribers, followers. How does that work?
1: Yeah, there's followers and subscribers. A subscriber
0: is right. like a paid follower, essentially. Okay, good. Cool. Yeah. it sounds like you got a pretty decent sized audience there to get.
1: Feedback. yeah i average about 100 cool. viewers a stream okay, cool. like average at at one point
0: yeah nice but yeah that's awesome okay cool so you're on twitch find you on social media art station we'll put all of this in the uh the show notes so people can find this and andrew thanks for your time that was wonderful
1: yeah thanks andrew i appreciate you uh bringing me on here
0: no worries yeah